For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. They were showing me the photos on the wall. Is that sort of what you got started with? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Some of those photos are some of the first ones I, I took. Really? Yeah. yeah. They're great. It's Those are some of my favorites. I spent a lot of time choosing those because they and I can sit here and talk to you. About each one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could tell you a 20-minute story about each of them. So far left, huge bucket, working looks like a pit or a quarry that's filled mm-hmm. with water. Is that Florida by chance? That's Florida. Yeah. yeah so Down that's, my, South Florida, I'm assuming somewhere. South Florida. Yeah. That's the FEC. Or that's not FEC. That's White Rock. Okay. The White Rock Quarry, um, one of the two biggest quarries in the United States. It's White Rock and then FEC is on the other side of the yep, road, yep. and they swap back and forth. Have you ever seen that down there? When I haven't yet, trips? No. Uh, it's, it's massive territory yeah. out there. It's like uh, you wouldn't assume that that exists in Florida. Really? Oh, it's massive. Massive. Yeah. massive. yeah so, they, so and the equipment is like see it from miles away mm-hmm. big. That's it's big, huge. Huh? huge. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a – on that machine, I think they run like it's around a 115-yard bucket. Wow. It's a 115-yard perforated bucket. So so what happens is there's so much, the water table so high, and there's so much damn water in Florida that they can't just dewater a pit. Right. So they blast. So a, a, actually, the cap rock is below the water table. Hmm. So you'll have a swamp, and there'll be trees, and it'll be swampy, and it'll be just that muck. It'll be 5, yep. 10 feet of garbage. So they have to scrape the garbage off the cap rock. But the problem is the cap rock's below the water table. So they have to scrape this off while working in the water. And it's a garbage. It's just a terrible process. You yeah. see the stripping machines and they're just they're just beat to hell because they're working in this muck all day. Right. So they strip it off the cap rock, but then they have to bring in ton, you know, sometimes millions, hundreds or hundreds of thousands of tons of crushed stone to build a pad above the water table oh, on top of the cap rock really then they put their drills on there they drill it in just one one go so it's these wacky drills that are just in florida because <laughs> they need to get 50 feet of steel in one go and then they put the 50 foot hole they blast underwater it's all happening underwater they come through with the drag line they mine it 50 wow. foot underwater so they just cast the bucket into the water pull it up grab the aggregate plop it up on the surface right next to the machine, and then they'll come in after it's drained. They'll come in and mine it. What wow. a wild operation. I didn't realize that all that went into it. Mm-hmm. I just know I've seen it driving by the turnpike or the highway yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was that that yeah. intensive an operation. It's crazy. And it sounds like unique to those mines in Florida. It's just a Florida thing. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It's just a Florida. I mean, wow. they'll, they'll use drag lines in South Carolina, Georgia. Okay. So it, it's not just Florida, but every single big aggregate operation in Florida, yeah. at least I've seen, is That's you're that, mining that underwater. So you're either using big excavators or a drag line. There's That's only one way to do it. Interesting. And yeah. then it's all seashells. So yeah. you look at the material and it's all just old seabed. That's all wow. it is. Yeah. Great line. Interesting. Yeah. I saw yeah. that picture. I wondered. The other pictures with the, the people in it were fantastic too, but that one caught my eye because I thought it was Florida. I was curious. So that was a cool, that was a cool morning. It just writes out outside of Miami. Yeah. Well, it yeah. looked like it was morning time. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Background. The landscape is um, unmistakable. Yeah. So. Well, how are we looking, Alex? I think we're good. All right, cool, man. Ready to podcast? Ready to do a dirt talk? Let's do it. Dirt talk. Check. Well, um, welcome to the Dirt Talk Studios, everybody. This is awesome. Thanks, yeah. Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Can you, um, for everybody, let's start with what the heck you guys do? 
Let's talk about that. Yeah. And then we can talk about how you guys started and all that jazz. But what, what the heck did you do? Yeah. Give it a shot. So we make sure you're safe and make money and are productive at the same time by just making sure you don't have any utilities, right? So uh-huh. um, we have different service lines. So we have a utility locating line, but we also have concrete scanning and imaging. Sure. So, you know, anytime they're going to core, they're going to saw cut, we'll go through and check and make sure you're not going to hit any conduit or any critical reinforcement. Yeah. Can you explain that? Uh, that's, I didn't know that was a thing. And then I found out that, that that's very much a thing. So say I'm, I'm in this concrete building, concrete structure, and I want to cut a floor opening because I want a staircase going down to the next floor I'm remodeling. Right, mm-hmm. right. So can you explain what you guys would do and why that's important? And then talk about uh, like post-tensioning, for example, mm-hmm. and why I don't want to hit post-tension. Yeah. So there are main things that we look for when we're concrete scanning, right? So post-tension is probably the biggest thing that we're looking for. Um, and what that is, is typically every you know few feet on center, you'll have these cables that they lay down before they pour. They'll pour, they'll come back, and they'll actually anchor onto the side of the building mm-hmm. and tension them. And now these things, I don't know what the PSI is, Chris. Do you know what the... It's 26,000 pounds of yeah, pressure. Yeah, they, they measure in kips. In kips, so okay. six kips. Yeah. Yeah. Engineering so, talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, I sounded cool. Yeah, I said the word yeah that's, there we that's go. super cool. <laughs> so they're so tight, right? They're so tensioned that if you do cut through one, um, I mean, you can watch YouTube videos of them ripping through floors, even you know tearing through windows and cars, all kinds of stuff because someone cord right through that cable at that mm. certain point. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, it lines up with, again, how we started the dirt world in the utility locating space, but um, we're just really trying to make sure that, A, they're safe. B, that they can get their job done effectively and they can make money while doing it because they don't have to worry about hitting a cable that costs upwards of five to $10,000 in itself to f- repair and fix, right? Sure. Um, so... That's what our main purpose is. It's just 100% subsurface damage prevention. So subsurface, concrete, earth, whatever that is, you're just making sure people don't hit stuff they shouldn't below a surface. That's right. Correct. You got it. Yep. That's our world. That's a pretty, it's, it's a, it's an underappreciated, underappreciated world that you guys live in and often a cursed world that you guys live in. <laughs> I, I was going to say <laughs> underappreciated or uh, it is rightly positioned in their mind because they've had a bad experience where something yeah, has not right, been located right. or found and they've, they've yeah. gotten into it and somebody's gotten hurt or there's been extra costs or schedule's been delayed. Right. So, Dude, yeah. if, I am sure we could have a whole podcast on just stories about utilities that should not have been where they were, but yet they were, were they, oh, yeah. they, they were there and the excavator bucket is, is a super good, you guys are good at finding utilities, but it's an excavator best. bucket by far better than you guys. Absolutely. It, it is interesting how it seems like it beats the odds, right? It like does. It, of all the places it's going to dig, it's going to find uh, that bucket. Yeah, I'm right. telling you, man, yeah. there's just nothing like it. Yep. Um, where do you guys operate? Where do you guys work? Nationwide. Nationwide, yep. Nationwide. Yes, there's about 375 GPRS team members around the country right now. 375. Out there. Yep. Yeah. Area managers, Holy project smokes. managers. In, in the, the field, country. though, right? In the field. Yeah, yeah. about 550 of us total. Correct. From really? a back office standpoint, yeah, it's kind of it's been a fun twenty year crazy journey uh, to be a part of. So wow, yeah, wow. Okay, so I guess how'd you get how how'd you how this whole thing start? Yeah, so company started in Ohio. Um, the current president Matt was uh, son of a individual who owned a concrete cutting company, mm-hmm. and um, when he graduated, worked a few odd jobs after school, like most of us have done and was ready to go into business with his dad, or so he thought. And his dad said, hey, I think you should check out this thing called ground penetrating radar. Mm. And uh, hey, we just worked a job at a grocery store and we cut a bunch of slab out of the grocery store and hit a ton of conduit, shut down freezers, et cetera. And this stuff is supposed to help us make sure that doesn't happen. So why don't you do this business? And uh, as the story goes, um, you know, he picked up the equipment and went a few months without any work at all out there trying to pass his business card out. uh, slowly but surely, customers saw some value in what he was offering. Did a large post-tension job originally yeah. back in the day that kind of you know was a springboard to the company having some financial solvency and mm. being able to grow from there. So uh, up until I joined uh, five years into the company, and I was the sixth person in the company. Um, Damn. Yeah. So five years of small time hustling, trying to make a go of it um, in a few different markets, Toledo, Detroit area, 
Cleveland area, Cincy, and Chicago were some of the initial markets that we had. Hmm. And then jumped on board um, 25, worked a couple odd jobs after school, and uh, ground penetrating radar. Yeah, that was what I went to school for. Yeah, so, what is that, um, right? Exactly. And then headed south. And so from there, the company's just kind of done a phenomenal trajectory of growth. It, it's really been amazing. And I think you were referencing as we were sitting down to chat the core values that build what is based on. And um, similarly, even if unnamed in the beginning, there was just kind of mentality of character matters. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm now probably rambling, but it's what I think ultimately has led to the portion of success is the people of what make the business actually become something pretty fantastic. Sure. Um, so so you you were doing the the ground penetrating radar from a building standpoint. When do you get into the underground utilities world? Because that's yeah. it's similar technology, but very, 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 very different. Yeah, that's right. Different application for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we, um, so companies started mainly in concrete. You're exactly right. And then uh, technology, same application of the science, different size antennas mm -hmm. used to see deeper, right? Um, and so slowly there was increased interest in utility work. And I think even when I started at five years into the company, we had just gotten our first EM locators. What you would see, the one call team members use on the side of the field, they wave that wand back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Just layered that in as a tool that we would use in the field for our service as well. Um, and so that was the point at which we started looking at utilities. So what's um, kind of wild is initially you would have seen probably a 70-30 split of revenue. 70% of our revenue generated through concrete scanning, 30% mm -hmm. through utilities. And that's completely flipped in, mm. the, in the time yeah. that we've been in the industry. Um, and so most of our work now is in utility space. There's so many, so many questions here. So, <laughs> so you, 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 if, if anybody in the industry is, is aware, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going out to go put a new water line in, in the middle of a road. And for those of you don't, that, that don't know, there's a lot of other stuff under that road that you got to make sure you can find yep. before you start digging for that new water line. Right. So how does it, I know you, you know, I have had to file my tickets, you know, your locates tickets. That was the bane of my existence as a field engineer. <laughs> and you have to call, call for locates is right. the, is the term. Right. Who do you guys work for? Do you, how does that work? If I call 811, do I get you guys sometimes some, if, if I'm in the area or are you completely different? I'm a private company working on private land. I need someone to come locate. You got me. it. You got it. So yeah. you're in the private, private yep. world. Yeah. So uh, the one call locators of the world, great service. They offer normally contracted by the utility owners. Yes. And then you as the contractor mm. operating in a right of way of some type will likely have the utility owner has some type of infrastructure in place. And they then are responsible to locate that for you. Mm -hmm. The moment that hits a meter or crosses onto private property, it's now the property owner's responsibility. And that's where we would come in. And our business model serves that in that private space, but mainly on the commercial construction side. Really? Yep. Yep. Okay. So what's an example of when you guys would get called out? for? Yeah. So example would be they're running a new water line. We'll stick with your example there. And sure. they're going to tie into the main in the center of the road or wherever it mm -hmm. might be just off the road in the right of way. But they're going to run on property to a new hospital building that's being constructed at one of the local hospitals. Mm -hmm. And so they will call us out. You have to go through by law, the 811 locate process. Um, we would come out start and pick up where they leave off and run our locate from the point it hits private property to the point at which you're connecting that new water line to the new structure that's being built. Mm -hmm. And so in the process, we anything we find underground, mark, flag, map it, whatever the case might be, turn over some type of deliverable to the customer that says, here's what you need to look out for. And you said you want to run the line here. We actually could see a better path over here. Would you consider that? So oh, really? Yeah, offering some type of consultative, consultative solution-oriented focus for them, not just to show up and say there's a pipe, but say, here's what that pipe could mean to your effort as you dig. But so. you just mark it up to the property line. So, and then the other service would take it from the property line to the main in that public right of way. Yes. However, a lot of times we will actually do the public right of way as well mm -hmm. after 811 helps mm -hmm. um, because we can give you depths too. It depends on your jurisdiction on 811. I'm not sure what their process is like there, but we will give you depths on those utilities. So imagine really? say that you're going to bore. Yeah. Now you're you know trying to oscillate through those utilities to your point. It's way loaded in there. So you want to know pretty dead on, hey, where can I stick my drill? Hmm. And we'll go through and locate that public space as well for you hmm. and that whole private space. That way you know not only horizontal position, but also the vertical position. And then again, that way you can effectively bore or dig or, or do whatever you need to. Let's let's be honest. The 
some of the public locate guys don't have the best reputation in the industry. I mean, that's true. Yeah, they kind of yeah. show up, and I mean, sometimes they wave the wand around, but sometimes you're like, "Is that thing even on? Is he, <laughs> is he actually looking for something, <laughs> or is true. he just painting marks on the road?" Because yeah. I don't know about that guy. <laughs> and uh, it's it's kind of the the belief very much so the belief, and I think it's just good practice, but it's very much trust but verify. You yep. guys are saying where these things are, but you don't truly know where the hell they are until you dig it up and Absolutely. look at it for yourself. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, and a lot of, you know, they do get a bad rap. And and we joked about this earlier too, that the locator in general can get a bad rap because mm-hmm. you're locating something and it's not what you said it was or something to that effect. Well, it's a very, they're a very convenient scapegoat too. Well, and that is true. That yeah. is true. Yep. Yeah. Um, but even on the one call side, they're operating off of the information provided by the utility owner. And that mm-hmm. utility owner may say, hey, my as built, which we all know that phrase means probably not anywhere near what the drawing says, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, shows the line on this side of the street. So no reason to locate. It's over here. And then the contractor goes, digs, hey, actually that line was located over here. And the locator was going off of records when they were on site. Does that make sense? So there's a lot of reasons why they might end up providing um, less than adequate information mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily due to the individual in the field performing that that service at that moment. Sure. Um, so anyway, for what it's worth, uh, always a, a little bit more nuanced and complex answer to why a pipe didn't get... F- you know, located or found. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, they just care about, did we hurt somebody? What's our project delay? Those types of things. And as you were saying, that's why we, that's why we exist. Try to keep right. those things moving forward, keep people safe. Sure. That's very generous to locate professionals. So that was a very generous way of <laughs> well, putting it. Because, <laughs> but, because how many times have we, you know, received that phone call on yeah, the back end? It's I, like, hey, the time. you, you joke, you located this site, but we just found the pipe you said wasn't there. And it's, mm-hmm. Well, let me try to explain it to you. And there, there's no interest at that point, of course, right? And understandably so. Right. So we've been the guy, uh, not just the the uh, excuse me, the public guy, but we've been the private guy who's not had a good day that yeah, day. They've got a really cool fountain on site or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Um, or God forbid, it's like a fiber line or something right. like that. Those things are expensive. That's when the money starts yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Um, so why is it that there's pipes underground that people don't know are there? How come that's a thing? Where, where, where's the where's the disconnect from a utility standpoint, and why are you guys working off an incomplete treasure map a lot of times? Yeah, well, it, if we had even a treasure map when we showed up on site, that'd be a good. Yeah, most day. of the time, we don't. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Most so of the you time, just, you show up and it's it, it to to anybody looking, it could be a green field or brown field. Nobody knows. We just know we want the scan to make sure we don't hit anything. Really, oh, especially yeah. in private, right? I mean, in private property, a lot of times you're not having all your stuff mapped out yeah and so oh yeah you know sure. public places that obviously have their as built yeah. you know at least recorded but yeah. um but yeah when it comes to public it's anyone's game most yeah. of the time that is pretty wild you think you if you you, you bury a gas line you you probably should remember where that thing's at but yeah. that's just not the case in in a lot of places right yeah. well that's i think why guys like Preston are so successful at GPRS or some of the good locators that, you know, the listeners might be aware of or know of by mm-hmm. name because they want them to be on their site because they're so good. Mm. Their, their best skill is being a puzzle builder. They go and are there any drawings? They go and talk to the person who's been at the plant or the facility for 40 years and was there when the line went in. They also then can use the technology to help piece and stitch together this whole framework of what's actually happening underground. So we always say it's not about just finding a pipe or using a piece of technology. It's can you problem solve and piece all that together? Sure. Um, Okay, so I call you guys out. So what happens? You just talked about it a little bit, but you show up on a site. What what goes on? Can you talk me through that? Yeah, so something that we we recently worked on too is we have – a project coordination team, right? So if you call one of the numbers on our website and it has the different offices and everything, but um, you'll get in touch with a project coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we work directly with them, um, really trying to deliver you almost an Amazon-like experience, right? Mm-hmm. Where nice. um, it's quick and we we're there when you want us there. And we have all the information beforehand. That way we're trying you know, eliminating as many points of communication as possible, right? But you'll talk to that project coordinator. That project coordinator typically will call the project manager or schedule them on our calendar. Um, And in that calendar, we have who the site contact information is, any drawings that we might have, and when we need to be there. And so you'll usually get a call the day before saying, hey, um, we're going to be there at 8 a.m. 
and we show up and then we walk through the site and we locate anything you're looking for um, or anything that you're concerned about. How do you locate things? So Explain that. we have something called the SIM process. Um, and to your point earlier, like there is that stigma of locators, right? And there is that, that reputation of there's a lot of air in here. So this is something that we've been working on and Chris can riff on this a little bit more too, but, um, we use part of the SIM process or subsurface investigation methodology mm -hmm. is a standardized process in which we use multiple technologies. So we talked about the wand, right? That we see mm -hmm. everyone waving around. Yeah. Um, so we do use that and that can be effective for some things for sure. Um, and then we also use something called ground penetrating radar, right? It's a big radar antenna. And typically that's most effective for finding most, if there's no tracer wires, everything, but um, a lot of our water lines, um, a lot of our sanitary lines, any storm. And it will also pick up you know, any kind of conduit that's in there. Um, within its certain limitations of that technology. Is that in, in the, the modern ground penetrating radar, is that the thing where it looks like a, like a it's like a, you're mowing the lawn almost? Like a stroller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're walking this thing around the site and That's it's right. just scanning whatever's underneath That's the ground. That's it, yeah. Yep. How does ground penetrating radar work? Well, <laughs> great question. Yeah, we, don't, we don't have I was too long, say, but yeah. give me the... The, the scientific Explain answer would not be six, found. Six year old. Yeah, I was going to say, Preston and I would not be the ones to give you the scientific answer on that. Yeah. So, effectively, um, these technologies, the wand or, or radar, are electromagnetic uh, tools. Mm -hmm. So, the radar emits an electromagnetic pulse into the ground and then reflects off of objects. And that reflection is received at that antenna as well. Mm. And then that is then interpreted by the computer and put on the screen in terms of, we joke with people always say, oh, is that a boy when they see us on the job site? Because it just looks like a big gray screen that we're staring at looking for effect, you know, hyperbolas, uh, pipe-like shapes underground, that type of thing. How do you know it's not a rock? You don't uh -huh. until you run the process. And so the process involves a grid out scan. So you would say, hey, I'm this site, based on what I understand about it, I'm going to run a 10 foot grid spacing as I scan over it. And so you go back and forth. Well, if it, it's a repeating anomaly, mm. and you know, you probably got a pipe right. that travels to some type of, you know, gas meter or uh, fire hydrant, whatever the case may be, water line, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we end up figuring it out. So, and, and based on how long the how long it takes to reflect is it gives you your depth. 100% correct. That's right. Yeah. So then a lot goes into what is the soil composition. So in Florida, where Preston and I live, uh, Central Florida, sandy soil composition, not going to contain or hold moisture very well. Yeah. And the signal flies through that ground. We get great results. Um, you move up north, even in the area we're in today in Nashville, uh, results are much more limited. So depth penetration changes. And how far can the antenna see into the ground diminishes the, mm. the more clay content, the more moisture content soils you're trying to push that signal through. Does rock affect it? Mm -hmm. If yeah, it's just absolutely. straight rock? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys have some of that around here too, I think. There is, <laughs> yeah, the joke is it's Tennessee topsoil because it is just, it's nothing but rock. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, just look right next That's door. That's a blast site next door is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's this big hole that they took. It's all straight rock. Yep. It's crazy. It is wild. It is wild. What happens when it's a really big site? Yeah, so you, uh, the process itself helps us think through the way to attack it. So you start with knowns on the job site. Mm -hmm. Hey, we know because of hydrant, gas meter, whatever, there's electrical, here. yeah, substation, yeah. whatever. There's something right. here. And we'll start with the knowns, trace the knowns. Um, so we call it pipe by pipe and type by type. You go pipe by pipe that you can see, type by type, electric, water, gas, sewer, et cetera. Um, and walk yourself through that process using those different tools. And we try to use the tool that's most effective for the locate. So, for example, uh, an electrical line that's live will carry a live signal that our wand can pick up without needing to use the radar to find it. No mm. reason to use two tools. Now we've just eliminated and saved some time on the job site to go a little bit more, more quickly. So you, you consider the job site type by type, pipe by pipe, consider the technology it's best used to find those types of objects and tackle it in such a way that you are starting the area of most and highest concern and you work yourself out from that area mm. um, to the places where there's maybe least concern or less concern. So. You guys are basically modern treasure hunters. It's not, but but without the treasure part. Well, and that's the without the massive riches potential. Yeah. It's pretty expensive stuff, though. In there, it is. It's high dollar stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's what most of the time, those are the questions we get. We always joke our favorite questions are when they walk up and they say, have you found Jimmy Hoffa yet? Oh, the number of times we've classic. gotten that on it is a very classic question. Or can classic. you scan, can you scan my buddy's head and see if there's anything in his head? Oh, yeah, we classic. Yeah, so we always, yeah. we have our, our quick, you know, quips that we return to. Those, I, well, those when questions. I take people's pictures, like, be careful, I'm going to break your camera. I'm yeah, like, yeah, exactly. and I, I laugh like it's the first time I've heard it, but exactly. it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I get that one every single, every single right, picture right, I take. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, tracer wire. Mm. Explain tracer wire because I was always kind of annoyed by it. I'm like, what the hell is this going to actually do? Yep. I mean, can I take a guess at it? Please. And, and tape. Think of tape too. Put tape above. Mm -hmm. You've ever seen that process as well? No. Yeah. So it's a, like conductive tape that they'll bury similar to a tracer wire X distance oh, above. Yeah. The pipe. Yeah, the, yeah. Same, yeah, same yeah, type yeah, principle. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. But it's, it's, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. We've done that, but you put a current through it. Mm hmm and then that current, your your machine is picking up on that current because whatever that pipe, it doesn't actually have a current to find. Is that how it works? Correct. So that tracer wire, you induce a certain frequency onto that tracer wire, mm -hmm. right? And let's just say it's typically just like a copper line or something, yeah. right? So yeah. um, we'll hook onto it and we have something called a little induction box uh -huh. and we'll induce a certain frequency and they're, depending on the application, there are different ways we tackle that. But what we do is we essentially set the wand to match that frequency and to search for that certain frequency. Mm. And then oh. we go through and we'll, let's, we'll actually locate it all the way through wherever we're finding that frequency, right? Does it make it pretty easy to find? Tracer wires help a lot. Really? Yeah. 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 yeah they help a lot. Just because it's another method to verify, right? Because we can, let's say there's a sanitary line. Obviously, that doesn't have an electromagnetic signal on it normally, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if there's a tracer wire there, we can both locate it with the wand, and that gives us a relatively close depth. But then we can also go through with the GPR, and we can really verify it. And it's just another way to double check that we are getting you accurate results. Hmm. I've put a lot of, as a, when I was a pipe lawyer, put a lot of tracer wire in the ground because mm -hmm. that's as you lay your pipe, you, you drag this little spool of thin copper right. cable yep. along and then kind of tape it on the pipe as you go and there you go that's right right what is your liability how does that work are you like here sign this waiver because yep. if you hit something that's not our problem how do you how do you get around that because there's a lot of potential financial implications of hitting some of these things that's right yeah yeah they're, they're is a waiver that you sign when we're on the site. Is um, it really? Oh, yeah. And it's fairly common, industry standard, I would say, that most locators are going to have some type of waiver that's signed that waives us of liability and puts it all back on the contractor. Mm -hmm. um, so at, at that point, uh, the way we look at liability is um, to the extent that we were talking about core values, you, you guys talk about do what's right. Um, there's a component where if we come back out, every hit we're informed of, we want to investigate for fault or no fault is not the point initially. It's to, what can we learn from this? Mm -hmm. What do we miss? Did our tool misfire? What, what do we need to understand? Does our team member need additional training? Could be any number of things. Could be, in most situations, a miscommunication. Yeah. We, yeah. we just, they didn't see the paint mark on the ground or something like that could have happened. Anyway, you do the investigation, you try to figure out what happened. Um, uncommonly, we make mistakes, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. uh, we're, we're willing, we step up to the plate on those types of situations and figure out how to work through it with the contractor. So um, yes, generally, broadly speaking, you sign papers that say we're not liable, um, but the, the locate companies that we respect in the competitive landscape we play in uh, all come to the table and they're willing to do what's right and figure out how to work through it with the contractor. Sure. So. And we want to earn your business all the way through, right? Yeah. I think yeah. to Chris's point. And that's also why we, we take training so seriously as a company, right? Because it is a big deal, yeah. right? If you are hitting a fiber line and that fiber line's down, that's a lot of money, right? There's a association called the Common Ground Alliance and they gather these statistics for locators and they estimate about $30 billion in annual damage to underground utilities. Woof. Right. But, I mean, that's both Whoa. direct and indirect costs, but imagine you're a big business and yeah, you cut power down. Now your team can't make any sales for eight hours. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. Right. So we understand the ramifications of what we're doing and, and how we're how we're serving the dirt world. Um, because it is the dirt world that is actually the one digging and they're the ones that are on the line for that kind of stuff. But well, well, and since you guys are working on private land and depend on people calling you 
you you have to be doing things pretty well, or else if you keep missing the mark, right? I'm not going to call. They're going to call again. somebody back. Yeah, it's not accurate. I'm, I'm, I've exactly. already hit four gas lines this month. I don't need <laughs> the fifth one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Funny enough, there there was I, I I distinctly there was this this one job I was on. Man, we hit so many utilities. It really? was we hit the same gas line three times. Oh. The same one. It was a subcontractor. It wasn't it wasn't us. Thank right. God. Right. But the first time I went out there, it's it's terrifying because. You, you have to call the fire department, call, they have to right. shut the street down. Yeah. It sounds like a damn jet engine coming out of the, the right. ground. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Well, most of the time, they end up shutting the bucket down. Everything is still right there because they want yeah. no spark yeah, right yeah, in yeah, the yeah, area. Yeah. So you just have this like massive con- piece of construction equipment right near us. Yeah. So like, th- and that's crazy the best practice. Like, yeah. Just get away from get it. Away from let it. the gas right. company, yeah. and the gas company comes in their, in their suits. They just suit right up in their, you know, flame retardant FR clothing yep. Yep. and they just get in there and clamp the den it was plastic i don't know what is yep. that like poly yep. or hdp yeah, or something right. like correct, that correct. you clamp it down on both ends and all right boys we're good to go and then they <laughs> hop in their truck and go to the next <laughs> utility strike it's like wow that was very nonchalant i thought a gas <laughs> right <laughs> that's right that's a bust in a gas seeping line through the ground yeah. All around yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 it was really exciting and then super anticlimactic like <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I guess we're good to go. Um, and then the real, the real good ones are when you hit a water main. Yeah, that's that's when the yeah, show is. You called the gushers. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. You fly parking lots. You have parking lot cavens. You have all sorts of craziness that can happen. That's right? the, yeah, if you, you create you create voids underground. You, if you create voids. That's right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I had to be on one the other day where um, the water main broke broke for whatever reason, and so they it was an emergency call for us to run out there and and even find it because they had to repair it but it was so saturated they couldn't oh, they couldn't even find it no way well, yeah, yeah. The, the leak could be 100 yards away because that's where the water travels to actually get to the surface and so wow. they don't know where the leak's actually coming from and it was a big yeah. apartment complex right so people are all running out crazy and because mm-hmm. they don't have water and it's eight o'clock in the morning so they're trying to get to work and yeah um but like we can't find it though we're digging everywhere and we we can't find the broken water line. <laughs> so that's crazy. We had to go Did you find it? Yeah, we found it. <laughs> okay, good. We found it. It was, it like was telling the story, and I'm like, "Where's this going?" Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's still going as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard back yet. But. Yeah. Um, is there a lot of emergency work, or is that pretty rare? Because the thing with utilities is they need to be going 24. Like, it doesn't matter if it's Christmas. If you don't have water, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's Christmas right. or not. You gotta you gotta figure that out. So is it a lot of weird hours and? weird kind of work and all that or not too much i say it's pretty balanced for the most part i mean it's construction so everything's urgent right yeah oh oh of course oh yes yeah (laughs) but uh stupid locate guys god they're just dragging their feet right right. they're taking 24 hours to get here what's their deal yeah um but no honestly our our company does a pretty good job i think and and that we try to stay proactive and and if someone does call and it is emergency locate we we definitely try to take care of them right but Mm. um it's not super common but but to your point, interestingly, um, when you think about a revenue stream for a business, um, we, you know, we'll produce what we'll produce this year and we'll never know more than two to three days in advance what's on our schedule to bring in that revenue. Right. Oh. So from a volatility standpoint, as you operate and think about how the business works, um, you know, it's a pretty wild situation. There's no backlog. There's no backlog. Yeah. That's right. There's There's no backlog. But that said... There's always going to be utilities that need to be found, exactly. regardless <laughs> of economic conditions. It's like, you know, landfills are a great business, for example, because yep. it's always oh, garbage. You always got to throw shit away. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, that, but that's crazy. So yeah. there's there's no backlog, huh? Not really. No. no. Yeah. I mean, most of our work is 24 to 40 hour response time. So really? to your point of everything's urgent in construction, it may not be 10 p.m. at night that we're making that emergency mode, yeah. but it is certainly 24 to 40 hours customer expectation that, yeah. that our teams are on site. Yeah, and it's you guys are kind of like, you know, the police versus the fire department. The police show up and no one's really happy that the cops are there. Like, oh, God, the cops are here. Fire department's like, oh, thank God, fire department's here. This is awesome. <laughs> you guys are probably more on the police side. Like, okay, locates are here, like, 
let's get it done with so we can get yeah. on with it. They're going to tell us why we can't do what we want to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Sorry, guys. Yeah. This is right in the way. Yeah. So, I, d- I didn't put that power line there, but it, yeah, it's still just <laughs> yeah. as frustrating. I wasn't, always, I wasn't the guy that put it there. <laughs> I'm just telling you it's there. Classic messenger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger, uh, right? Um, do you guys work closely with back truck companies? Because I know that's okay. Great. Hey, you're telling me it's here. Yeah. You're telling me it's at this depth, but that's still not good enough. So how closely do you work with the the daylight yep. groups? Yeah, we regularly, um, we have good relationships with several larger entities um, that many, I'm sure your your listeners would know yeah, of. Badger um, Badger, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a, it tends to be, you, you end up finding a customer who wants to marry those services together, mm-hmm. or it could be a, hey, we're out here and you need to do this. We hear that. These are the companies that we recommend. So it's uh, you know, no, no formal quote unquote partnerships, if you will, but definitely good working relationships with those those individuals, those companies. Because so. that's, that's oftentimes the natural follow up to whatever you're marking is yeah. they'll come out and daylight it and, right. and verify that, yes, mm-hmm. right. that is exactly where it's supposed to be. Well, and a lot of the projects these days have um, SUE requirements, uh, subsurface utility um, engineering requirements, D, C, B, A, right? Those levels. And so to hit and achieve those levels and to have an authorized Sue dig in front of you, you have to marry all of these services together in order to get that. Is that right? Engineered approval. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. So we all, you know, the earlier phases are research, really go find documents, kind of try to figure out what exists on this site. Then it's a non-destructive search, something like what GPRS would provide. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, marrying that with a soft dig, truly exposing in a non-destructive manner that utility to confirm its location and elevation with precision. So, and that gives you that subsurface utility investigation level A. So mm-hmm. utility engineering plan. It's a whole, it's a whole world, man. It is crazy. So, yeah. You know, what's funny is I, um, Every time I see some new spray paint on some some roads or something around my house, I'm like, oh hell yeah, there's about to be some work. There's about going to be on some work. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the other day it was the whole neighborhood was marked up for gas lines. Oh yeah. yeah. Going to every house. I'm like, what's going on here? To my disappointment, they're just putting in Google Fiber. That's correct. Yeah. Like oh. most of the time, you're never going to see it. it's all. You know, yeah, that's not yeah. that's not that cool. Yeah, I was hoping for yeah. like a whole whole new water line or something crazy but yeah, yeah it was just or well, the ridiculous ones who walk around with our kids we're like see that mark on the ground we yeah yeah you like how those little flags <laughs> like, look yeah, we're <laughs> like, why is that manhole over there like, <laughs> yeah why isn't it over there yeah, yeah exactly always trying to connect the dots yeah um so how how have you guys grown across the country what were the what were the growing pains there because you so if if you're calling up in a region 24 hours, you got to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot of logistics. So how did you guys start to figure that one out? Yeah, so um, I think this is some of where our whole endeavor towards um, development and care for people really came from because it hinged on the individual we placed in that market. So um, you call it luck, call it great business strategy. Instead of trying to go deep in a single market and get a bunch of team members working in the Toledo or Southeast Michigan, Detroit market, mm-hmm. um, we put up a website and got some traffic and you'd get a phone call from Southern California or from Dallas or from yeah. Miami. And we would catch a flight and go to those job sites. And we thought, Hey, if this is happening, maybe we could position somebody in Florida, in Southern California, whatever right. the case might be. And maybe there's business. So we went wide first. Um, and so to do that, then the individuals who were a part of the team at that point were, we were the scheduler, the quoter, the guy who came out and did the work on the job site. And, um, and so all of that was managed very locally for the longest time in the business. And you just trusted the team members, answer the phone, care well for the customer and make sure that they got the work done. Did you have to use a different name, like a scheduling, like, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Jeff. And then <laughs> they show up. Yeah. I'm Mike. Yeah. To make it be bigger. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just you sound very similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's my. That's actually, it's actually my brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. close relations, family close business. Relations, yeah. But they, I guess they, those people um, that you had out in the fields, those, those are the people you your customers interact with. So right. Those well, people are how they perceive the company. That's right, and this, I think, this is 
synonymous with the culture of the dirt world, but I, I trust you to give me some feedback here. But they like to know the person they're talking to and the person who's going to show up on the site. And I think early on, that was a big advantage for us because it was one and the same. Mm. And so they grew to trust that you were the one doing the service. You're going to quote it well, and you're going to be you know excellent in the field then when you come out and try to answer and solve our problems. So I, I really do believe um, that that relational component of the business with the, the customers that we worked with was a huge part of the success we had early on. Because so. the the... Your, your guys' product is something you want to be high quality. At least you'd think most people, right. it, it's probably not always the, that way. But sure. at least if I were doing a project, I would want that to be high quality That's right. and choose someone I trust. Because if you get that wrong, right. like there's some big problems That's that right. will happen That's right. very quickly. Okay. Yep. Yeah, huh. character matters. So we we always talk about the three C's when we're hiring character, competency, and chemistry. Chemistry with the team, competency, the ability to grasp the concepts of what we're teaching them, how they do the service. But then foremost is character. Yeah. How do you how do you evaluate for character? Great question. Mm. Yeah, ask them what they do on the weekend. I don't, you know, it, you can't actually do that. that's, yeah. that's illegal. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, we, I have asked so many things that are illegal in an interview, oh, yeah. and then I'm informed after you, that's actually you illegal actually can't. Yeah. So I can't get to know the person. Check. No, that's exactly right. It does feel like it's that, doesn't stupid. it? When you're running it, it, it is stupid. I agree. Yeah. The interview process, you know, obviously there's screening efforts that go into it, but the most helpful part of the interview process we have is we call it a ride along. And so that team member, if you're interested in joining, then you have to go ride along with one of our guys in the field, uh, really? one of our team members, and you go to a job and you see how the job yeah. works and how it runs. And so you get a lot of organic, you know, uh, interaction, rubbing shoulders together. How much are they on their phone? How much they seem like they're engaged in what we're actually doing on the job site? Um, and you just pick up anecdotes along the way that help inform that character component and that chemistry component because they're going to work side by side with the individual that they're in the truck right. with. Hmm. Um, and so we, you know, the, the competency thing, there's baseline competencies you have to have, but that's not the most critical thing for us. It is character and it is chemistry um, because of the way these teams are structured. That's a slick way to do it. Our business, we've done it where we've uh, hired a lot of people contract and basically given them a project and see what they do with it. Yeah. And if it's good work and they work well with the team, great. Okay, cool. Yeah. We can keep talking to them. If not, hey, thanks. We can still pay them for the project and yeah. then we're on our way. And it saved us a lot of heartache. Well, it seems sure. like it's similar, right? Yeah. That's the same idea in some ways. You're walking with them through the project. They're probably yeah. asking a bunch of questions. So in some ways, that's a monetized uh, ride-along. Yeah, right? yeah. And you can bullshit your way through an hour-long conversation like what I'm doing right now. But <laughs> I'm joking. Trick. But um, bullshitting through a whole day with somebody, that's that's a tricky proposition. You got to be really good to hide that, that long. That's pretty slick. Yeah. But then you have to train up your people on how and what to look for, mm -hmm. how to interview, what to look for. Right. Yeah. And when you scale, as you guys know, yes. that can be difficult. A lot of questions. To your point, how many questions did we ask that were illegal? <laughs> and yes. Yeah. So how do you get them trained and ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. Constant battle we face. Um, so that's that development effort that we continue to try to focus on is what do we need to do in order to keep this team like right at their growth edge, meeting the demands of the customer and able to staff and fill out this team with the right people. So. How do you keep the team together? If you have damn near 400 people spread out across the whole country, like how many states do you think you're in? Uh, so we say 40 different markets. So 40 different, I mean, yeah, yes. the, the, so figure, you know, obviously a, a we're going to hub where the construction hubs. And yeah. so the, those 40 markets are mostly cities. So, so uh, like a market's like Dallas, Fort Worth, for example. Yeah. So nobody, Alaska, we have Hawaii, um, nobody, Montana, you know, yeah. some of the Northern There's states. No utilities in Montana. Yeah. So we, we cut the U like a lot of business. <laughs> no yeah. utilities in Montana. We cut the U like a lot of business around the state. So um, the how do you keep everybody on the same page? So that is uh, the constant challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't know that we do it all that well. I think we try a lot of things. Um, I, I'm curious what you would say. How do you feel like as an organization, we keep you on the same page with, I know how it happens in your market, which is probably good to talk about with with your, your leader in that market. Um, but right. curious how you feel like the company does keeping you on the same page, genuinely. Yeah, no, I think we, we do a good job for what we what we have, right? To your point, Aaron, I mean, we are very spread out across the country and in relatively small teams, right? So um, how our structure is, is there are a few project managers, uh, five to 10 more or less, um, that report directly to an area manager, mm. right? And uh, those are the markets that we're kind of talking about earlier. And that relationship is definitely more intimate, right? And more day-to-day -day. but as far as from our senior leadership team we do have the internal podcast um we do have 
even conference calls every once in a while as, as a team, you know, as a whole company, we, sure. we try to do as much as we can. Um, but I would say that the communication is pretty constant. I mean, at least a couple of times a month, we're getting communication from our CEO via email. Yeah. Um, and then other times through, again, internal podcasts or whatever it may be as well. Alex, the internal podcast is a good idea. Let's start one. Yeah, we should do that. We should do that at Build It. <laughs> yeah, right. Because we weren't picking your brains on how to do it before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> you guys obviously do it well. Easy peasy, man. <laughs> uh, we don't We don't know if anybody listens to it, though. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> we, we do it, but I'm, uh, the well part, I don't know about that. No, that's exactly right, though. So all these methods and mediums we now have today to communicate, the question is, is it truly effective? And that's the, the yeah. measure. I remember we had a situation of, um, a few years back where I sent an email out. It's common for me. And uh, I, somebody called to ask me a question. I'm like, well, did you read my email? And they're like, which one did you send? When was that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, obviously, already I'm in trouble. And uh, I said last week, they look it up. They're like, oh, yeah, no, no, I, that was a scroller. I was like, what's a scroller? They're like, well, if I have to move my thumb more than twice up my phone, I'm done reading your email. And I was like, fair. That is fair, right? Yeah. That makes total sense yeah. to me. Once you said it, but I'm like, well, crap, I'm, I'm just working away to write up this massive email yeah. that I think it's just a work really- of art. Exactly. Like, and they this don't. Is a good one. They don't care. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's, uh, it is, it, see, so this is the thing about, uh, the people stuff. We're, we're, we work in a, we work in a productive, uh, industry where people build stuff. You can measure progress very easily. How many yards of dirt, how many sticks of pipe, what did you do today from a productivity standpoint? But you start to get into the people thing. People are squishy. You can't go measure people and especially someone like you you don't have a product you create every day you can't go measure yeah i i I slayed x linear feet apart okay good you're doing a good job how the hell do i know if you're doing a good job at your job or not right it's squishy it's hard to hard to measure and i think the industry is so used to the stuff that's easy to measure that let's just focus over there the whole people thing ah, that's just a lot of work and everybody's different. Let's not deal with that. Let's just right. focus on what we do. Right. And we don't need to focus on the people thing. And then, huh, well. Lo and behold, you do. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, that's what I'm saying, yeah. but um, we're still trying to get that into people's heads. Yeah. What you guys have probably a unique perspective on the industry like we do. You probably see a lot of the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What trends have you guys noticed? What what have you noticed out there? What's the market look like? In terms of people, like focus on people specifically, or market take the question where we want to go. Choose, you, choose my you, own yeah, adventure. Yeah. What have you noticed? Yeah, yeah. dealer's choice. Um, I mean, we talk often about the hiring market. Uh, that's a common thing for the last what five years at least um, of how difficult it is to find people in construction. Yeah. Um, and we talk often about how it seems like, hey, we're the pipeline for work out there is two plus years long. So to your point uh, earlier, we were talking about everybody needs a utility to locate. Well, hey, if we've got a diminishing resource in terms of staff from a construction perspective, no shortage of projects in the pipeline, then it seems to me we've got a, you know, a lack of equilibrium that's going to be tough to maintain. So this pipeline for work is going to continue to be long. Sure. So for us, I think we look and see an industry that's um, starved for talent in a world that thinks some sort of higher education is the ticket. Yeah. Um, and they miss out on the wonderful world of true craftsmen who know how to, uh, and, you know, we taught you, you kind of say laying stick in the ground or something like that, but there's a real craftsmanship to doing that and doing it well. Oh, and, yeah. and it just gets missed because it's involving dirt. And we think it, it, it somehow is lesser in value to me getting some job, you know, right. punching up my long emails or something like mm-hmm. that. And so, um, yeah, so I think there's just a real trend where we want to see more value in that that space for those team members on those job sites. Um, and I think we want to find that for the team members who come. It's not just locating that pipe. It's stitching together a picture, as Preston said earlier, that keeps somebody safe, that helps your community build something pretty fantastic. You're a component of the bigger machine that is, you know, this evolution that we have of trying to build something beautiful in the, in the communities in which we live. So, sure. yeah. And I'm excited, honestly, for, if you're looking for a job, let me know a spokesperson or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good job. Yeah. That's um, the problem. I come off all political and stuff, but I, I don't even know how to like measure. No, that was, that was very well said. You can just yeah. mute me anytime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris is our polished guy in the company. He's a, he handles well, all that. Well said. Yeah, but I, I'm a young guy, right? I'm one of those millennials. Yeah. We've all heard about those yeah. guys. Don't but, know how to work and damn millennials. How old are you? Twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I'm going to spend the next 40 years serving the dirt world, right? Mm -hmm. And serving the construction industry. Sure. And it's pretty obvious, you know, what some of our shortcomings are as far as a people standpoint. But I'm also incredibly excited because I think we are noticing those, right? And um, I know you're, you're younger to 27? 27, yeah. So, and I'll, I'm speaking for myself and maybe you agree or not, but I am highly drawn to that mission, right? And what Chris was saying just barely, what we do really matters, mm -hmm. right? Try going without power or water for 24 hours you'll definitely get a call. It's pretty, right? it's pretty funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nothing else matters if you don't have power. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just, you turn that switch off, nothing else matters. Right. We're essential workers for a reason, right? Yeah. yeah. But, and I think we are seeing, and your company's a great example of this, we are seeing more and more people become very good storytellers on that mission and what we're doing. And the most influential people in, in any industry are those best storytellers, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I'm excited because I'm seeing that more and more. And the people I talk to on site, I mean, what you said earlier, we gained a lot of exposure. Um, we were talking earlier, I worked for 173 different customers last year. Wow. And over 400 different jobs. Wow. So you see a lot of different sides. You get a lot of exposure to yeah. the industry. Yeah. And People you, you are, see me more. You see more than I do in that region. That surprises but me. We go to Montana. So. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I think people are recognizing that, and it's something that is being talked about. And I think it's something that we're just looking to see how we can do it and and how we can work it out. I, I, the mission piece is so critical. This is where this is. So we're in a we're in a unique point inflection point in our business right now we're, we're transitioning software business and we're, we're just thinking way bigger picture i mean i am up in the clouds right now for better or for worse what the heck is the problem and why aren't these companies figuring it out that's one of the core problems is that everybody's trying to approach it um from their perspective what was most important to them or is most important to them and that was previous generations am i going to make a good living Am I going to have a good career? Mm -hmm. And so that's the narrative is you can, you know, make X amount of dollars by the time you're 22 without debt and you can have a career, not a job. And that doesn't register to me as a 20, like no. that doesn't mean shit to me. Hmm. What means something to me is knowing I need to make sure the money works. So I need that taken care of. That's a box I checked. Hierarchy of needs. That's at kind of the bottom. Do you have, do you, do you, can you pay me? Do you have benefits? Okay. And then we go up a little bit more. Are you going to really care for me? Are you going to pay me well? And, but then you keep going up and that mission piece, why the hell should I work for you? Hmm. If you don't have an answer for that as an employer, there's no secret to why you have a labor problem. Hmm. And I tell people, if you ask anybody in this office that works for us, why the hell are you here? They'll have probably some pretty good answers because we start on that from day one because that's what this next generation wants because right. it's not a, yes it is about let's make money and let's support our families and let's have a nice house and so on and so forth but then okay great that's taken care of and i can get that in a lot of damn places nowadays why the hell am i here right. How, what have you found in your mission that seems to resonate most with the team when they sign on with you guys because it's so it's so exciting because the dirt world is everywhere and i'm sure yeah. you i mean alex could probably speak to this if he had a microphone sorry alex i'll just speak for you alex because alex. yeah yeah <laughs> i but it, it you don't realize how important the dirt world is and then you come into build with and you start to understand holy smokes this really is foundational right. everybody really does depend on this and they have a big problem but the good news is we're here to help and that is a really compelling narrative. That's a really compelling you know, mission yeah. to be on. Is it the help component? Like, hey, I, well, one, you see something that's way bigger than you, right? Like, hey, this is far bigger than one I had concept of, and two, than I could ever think I could have an impact on by myself. But then there has to be some movement towards action. Is it the the fact that they could like they could actually help now yeah. make an impact, and that's what they kind of seem to be latching onto? That's exactly it. And it seems is that sort of what you were saying? You're latching onto like, hey, these are the needs, and I could I can help meet this need for somebody. Absolutely. Right. And I, I guess more simply, it's I want a cool job that solves really cool problems. Right. And yeah. and seeing 
And that's what, that is not what initially drew me to JPRS, right? I was looking for that. This is an incredible opportunity to grow and develop as a, as an individual and make very competitive pay and very good people that I met so far, but that, that's all it was that drew me in. But then what's retaining me, and you asked this question very openly the other day, is like, why would you stay with us? Like, honestly, like, why, mm. why do you choose to do that? And, um, and that wasn't necessarily to me. It was just, you know, in general, like, why would, why would someone want to stay with GPRS? And I thought a lot about that. And again, it is this mission, right? It's like, yeah. what problems am I solving? How am I serving the world? Mm. And what contribution am I making? And I think that is that is something that we can instill. And even you say this, Chris, that vision, that mission leaks, right? That's as leaders, that's something that we need to constantly be following up on and repeating, even if it's written out on our website, even if it's in our signature email, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It is something that we constantly need to be pushing on and following up on because that's what keeps us here and that's what keeps us motivated as well. It's, it's nonstop. Every single day I talk about the mission. Yep. Every single day. Draw as many, you know, connect as many dots to that damn mission yeah. as we possibly can. Yep. And continuously remind people, this is why we're here. This is why we're here. This yep. is why we're here. Yep. And I think at GPRS, we, our mission obviously is, is to serve the dirt world, right? And have that vision of, of 100% subsurface damage prevention. But when I learned that, our purpose is actually to create opportunities for people and then deliver customer experience. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is through subsurface damage prevention, right? Sure. But the fact that's what kept me in, I guess. And that's what's keeping me in is that, you no, know, like I'm here to create opportunities for people. Yeah. And we're just doing it through this awesome thing that, to your point earlier, is ubiquitous, right? You look all around you and everything we, we touch in a way, right? There mm -hmm. are projects are everywhere and our infrastructure is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool what you guys got going. Appreciate that. What's uh what's what's the future look like? Um, that's a good question. So the future um I think involves a few things. Um first and foremost, it's it is amazing to me still how much of the market from a utility locating perspective there is to go after and try to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, just in general, the job sites that could use the service more, that, ex that still exists. It's, it's not like a fully tapped out market or something to that mm -hmm. effect. So I think that's a component we continue to go after just organically, the core services that we started the business with. Um, I think what comes... So you guys are underutilized, would you say? Uh, yeah, I think as an industry, I wouldn't even say as GPRS spe yeah. specifically, but yeah. I think as an industry, to your point, it's kind of like the, do we have to call? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Instead of shifting to when we call, they help us avoid something. Mm, right. Does that make sense? I think there's a cultural component there that I do think is on the shift. Um, but at the same time, I think as you pointed out earlier, it, it tends to be the, we're the lowest guy on the job site that day. They didn't want to call us. We're the, we're the police officer, not the fireman. Right? Sure. Yeah. So I think after that, um, for us, we're continuing to look at adjacent services, things that would marry well with you as a contractor need me to come out and find the pipe underground. But now you're concerned that that pipe is leaking. Okay, maybe we could add on leak detection services. Mm -hmm. And now you actually want to inspect that sanitary line to discern if there's any obstructions or lateral conflicts or that. And so we can do some video pipe inspection for you. Okay. And now, oh, you want a comprehensive map of your entire facility to know where these lines are. And anytime you add a new line, you need it to be updated and you need some sort of data management reality for that. Hey, maybe we can come up with a solution that fits there. So those are some of the adjacencies that, that we're looking at. Um, so I think that the idea of 100% subsurface damage prevention is a compelling, not just internally, I think externally, um, you know, case for customers to grow in their interest. Um, so yeah, I think our, our hope is to take that message wider and wider. It's big time, man. Yeah. What? While I have you guys here, you guys work for general contractors and heavy civil contractors. Oh, yeah. What would you say the differences are between those two groups? He heavy civil guys typically self-perform a lot of their work. Yeah, correct. Right? Yes. So it's, yeah. it is a different dynamic on the job site. Because but how's, how's the dynamic? Like, what's the mentality? Like, how are they how My, are they my dad's a general contractor, Aaron. So you uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, I was hoping you were going to go in the other direction. Like, those general contractors, man, let me tell you. <laughs> So I got to be careful what I say. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but um, honestly, our, our customer, for the most part, for the most point, our customer base, I mean, they all do really good. I, I, 
I would say the difference is again that the dirt guys that primarily self-perform their work, they are very they're very more knowledge. How do I want to phrase this? They have a lot more invested into the actual product of how it's going to be because they're the ones actually mm. carrying out that work right then, right? That's interesting. Where, where maybe a general contractor, their role is more mitigating risk, yeah, right? Big, big and picture. and they're yeah. trying to handle that that whole process and, and a little more big picture. So mm. it is a different dynamic and I mean, pros and cons both ways probably, but yeah. Yeah. very yeah. practically the, the civil guys on the site would they want to know what's here so I can get this job done and moving. Right. Mm -hmm. And the general is going to look and say, well, what's your insurance policy look like? Let's talk about the yeah. perspective, <laughs> right. right? Like there's just a very yeah. different tack to how they want to go about getting the job yeah. done. And the general yeah. is thinking about the relationship with that customer because he wants to build their next building. Right. Sure. And, the, and the, the guy in the field on the bucket is looking to be safe and make sure this pipe goes in the ground on schedule and that they, they put a pretty complex you know, system together. So yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you guys bridge that. I mean, you can be. Are you back and forth typically? You could be on a. Is it typically just underground utility location if that's your expertise, and then you do buildings, or do you both flop yeah. over? We do we do both yeah. really. Yeah. So um, yeah, sometimes I'll be you know on the twelfth floor of a building scanning for post tension cables, mm. and then the next minute I'm, you know, in this heavy manufacturing facility looking for utilities before sure. they before they trench or whatever. So sure. Sometimes even on the same job site, 12 stories yeah. up, come you down, do. fire yeah. up a different set of equipment, go find, you know, the trench line for, you know, the new sanitary run or something like that that's going in can happen. Yeah. So Is because that right? The yeah. technology is pretty much the same, right? I mean, it's yeah. very, very similar. So um, the the expertise and the technical skill you you have regardless of what you're doing there. When you when you say you're you're um, underutilized, if this is this is a good opportunity to educate the your customer base on how do you utilize you correctly. How do you be a friend to them? How do you be the fireman? What would you, what what kind of advice would you give people that use utility locating services mm -hmm. to better use utility locating services? Yeah. Um, so we mentioned that our book of business never has much more than two to three days on its schedule because industry wide, that's how our service is considered. And so I think a tip that I would offer to the dirt world is to um, consider planning that locate out in advance and try mm -hmm. to have the different subs on the site compile their scopes of work in one shot. And the reason is not just better planning, having us on the schedule sooner, making sure you know all of those things happen logistically. You'll end up with a, a potentially better locate because now you've got multiple facets tying in the same job site and we're going to be able to find more information and all of it completes a bigger puzzle picture sure. that then helps inform each of those individual scopes of work. So I, I really think one of the things I would encourage the, the dirt world is to, to look at drawing us more in on the planning side. And by us, certainly we're here repping GPRS, but it's the industry in general can right, be absolutely. a help on the project absolutely. planning side, um, not just on the oh, crap, I got to put a pipe in the ground and I didn't get a locate yesterday. So I mean, I think that's for the industry. Over, I think the industry can be more proactive overall because it's you, you're proactive, you're planning, and then you get into a job and just go, shit go, go. is flying everywhere. And yeah, yeah, schedule's a mess and weather's, and, and then that all goes out the window and now you're just in total reactive mode. That's right. And now, oh, shoot, I need to get locates for tomorrow. Call them up. It, 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 the whole project gets into that reactive state. But That's if right. you're in a more proactive state, regardless of what's going on around you, I think you'd have a much more successful project. But what what the hell do I know? Well, it seems like you know a fair bit, is my guess. I also think that that's a universal principle, that it's not just in the dirt world that you should be or desire to be more proactive. I think yeah. the contractors in that space who continue to grow and find <clears throat> themselves expanding their service footprint are those that have that for planning ability and layer that in. They may need to react today, mm -hmm. but it's nested inside an overall plan that's iterated, pivoted, agile, moving. Um, and I, it sounds like that's what you all are doing here at BuildWit too. It's, hey, best laid plans of mice and men. And then today we're going to get into this thing, mix it up, replan it again tomorrow. But sure. that planning effort never stops, right? right. So, What, uh, would you say anything to the actual folks doing the work, like running the excavator? Is there stuff they should know to use you guys better and to digest the information you give them a little bit better or is it pretty straightforward 
Yeah, I have a thought. I want to. I can give you a chance to speak here too. But I've, you, you go ahead first. Okay. So um, I, I would just say, when in doubt, ask a question. Yeah. To just reach out to us mm. uh, or find out who used us on the job site. Use, and our flags have a number on it. Every utility locator that's got some scale is going to have a flag with a number you can call to that's, understand what's going on. So good. if you if you are in doubt, ask the question before putting that bucket in the ground. That's that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's simple, but that is like it's like a man asking for directions. You know, I know that's not really a thing anymore because of Google, <laughs> Google. but the there's a lot of e- big egos, pride, and oh, I, I know what's going on here. Yeah, I can feel it when I'm digging. I, I can, can feel, I can when feel it. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, which I don't. I think there's some. I think there's some to truth that, to that. I and agree. Also, not exactly, but is it still worth the risk? Right, that's the component here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I would agree with that. I think miscommunication to Chris's point earlier is definitely our number one factor in our jobs that do go bad. Mm. Right, we we did do you know thousands of jobs last year, and we had a very very good rate of accuracy, right, over ninety nine percent. But mm. that's still not enough. Right, because those few jobs that is dangerous, that is costing a lot of money, that's costing a lot of time. Sure. And even those ones that did go bad or were our fault, it is primarily not due to lack of technical skill or expertise. It's because I could have been a more effective communicator hmm. and I could have led that person through that process or owned that process from inception to actually coring that hole or making that cut. Right. And so that is something I think we're trying to work on and, and we're we're looking forward to as well as is improving that accuracy mm-hmm. overall. Sure. Yeah. Well, I very much did. You learn something? Yeah. This was I, I. I very much enjoyed this. How do people find you guys? Best place to go: gprsinc.com. gprsinc.com. Yep. You can locate the lo- you know local office number next to you. You know where you live, where you're working, where your job site is, and ring us up. Happy to come figure out how to help you out. Yeah, but if you're in Montana, mm-mm. no luck in Montana. We do drive there though. Yeah, but I think the the Salt Lake guys, I think, drive there. Maybe oh, yeah. not. Maybe maybe. Get up there. What what region are you in? I'm in Orlando. Or, oh, Orlando. Oh yeah, you said Central Florida. Orlando is hopping, man. It's popping, man. Oh, it's crazy. That market Thank is you, tourism. nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went down there with, I don't know if you guys worked with them, Hughes Brothers Construction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're doing a big subdivision. Probably 30 minutes west of town. Uh-huh. Yeah, big, lots of development going on west of town. Mm-hmm. It's going to be wild to see over the course of time. Well, now we're digging in central Florida future, but you know how these communities all end up connecting as they move up towards Ocala and as they move down I think you know, down it's just going to be just sprawl. one giant blob mm-hmm. in the middle of central. They're going far. Yeah, it's yeah. it's out there. They're like, how big is this one? Well, it's I think uh, twenty seven thousand acres. Twenty seven. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. Yep. And they just they just keep going further and further. Like who the? Where are all these people coming from? Well, California. Was, oh, where California. are they going to go work? Are they driving into town each day? Like how does that even work? Like what's that drive time? Like, yeah, dude, well, I don't know, man. COVID environment, I guess. We yeah, remote work, I guess, work. right? Yeah. I don't live down there. That's not my problem. <laughs> I, can, I can bike to work now. I just moved right right here. So. Did you right? Oh, yeah. What a cool I, area. How So truly, like how long has the development in this section of town been happening? It seems like, what, maybe the last 10 years? Probably 10 years. Okay. Yeah. It, it used to be pretty new. Yeah, it used to be real industrial. Yeah. And then what happened was we scooted the industry out because, well, it's all about cost per, you know, how much money can we make per square foot? Yeah. Well, we need housing. So let's go build these garbage plastic monstrosities everywhere and charge people way too much for them and that'll make us a good return on investment for our REIT and it's it's a little you can tell I'm a little frustrated about it but no I think it I think it's (laughs) we were joking about it when we we had lunch before coming in and I said I think they call it the cool word is gentrification that makes it sound okay but in the end you kind of like what what got displaced in the process here yeah gentrification yeah (laughs) a bunch of garbage apartment buildings where we are gentrifying but it's it's good it's it's good yeah um cool Cool. well we really appreciate you guys coming out to Nashville thanks for being flexible appreciate the time yeah Yeah. Yeah. absolute pleasure to talk to you guys and congrats on all the success excited to see where you guys go likewise thanks likewise all right everybody check them out gprsinc.com